Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, dude, today's guest, we have Xavier Moran. It's so cool because he's actually a business partner of mine, but he also does other business partnerships. He talks about like not feeling like at his best when he was in high school and in college and like how he had a great summer to mind shift. So definitely got to stick around to hear that story and how now he has like two cabins in the Smoky Mountains, two or three rental properties where he lives. He's like super high up the ladder in Target. And he just talks about his whole story, man. It's just a really good, really good podcast today. Yeah, one of my favorite parts is when he begins to talk about how he partner up with you and partner up with other people too, how you guys play to your strengths to yeah. be able to grow his portfolio. And I feel that is really, really important for anybody that wants to grow and scale. Yeah, I agree 100%. All right, let's move it over to Xavier. But before we do that really quick, uh, don't forget, guys, that over at ratracetofy.com, we have the Rat Race to Fi micro tribes led by leaders within Rat Race to Fi specific to their niche. So if you're a realtor, a wholesaler, a buy and hold, if you're um, uh, if you're interested in DIY or you want to do short term rental, we have leaders within Rat Race who are leading micro tribes for hundred dollars a month. You get four live calls with them. And you can ask them questions about what they're doing. It's probably one of the best mastermind deals out there. Don't forget ratracetofy.com micro tribes. All right, over to Xavier. Oh, that was so much better. What's up, Xavier? Welcome to the Rat Race to Fight podcast. So for everyone listening, the engineer might cut that back part out. These guys couldn't get their clap together. We always clap right before we start. <laughs> Xavier, where are you at, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Felipe and Diego. I'm actually right now in Southern California in San Diego. What? Ooh. Love the weather out there. Diego, uh, what's up, dude? Are you back in Austin? Are you in Puerto Rico or like, where the hell are you? No, I am back in Austin and we just got back from an amazing weekend in San Antonio uh, for the short-term rental event with Lucas. It was amazing. We had about 24 Rat Race members. Um, like they, they learned a lot about the different ways that they can make some money, passive income um, through Airbnbs, especially like arbitrage, buying their own, co-hosting. So it was really cool. And especially always a good time to, to hang out with the Rat Race family. Oh, absolutely, dude. And Airbnb is relevant to this um, podcast today with Xavier because Xavier actually owns two Airbnbs in the Smoky Mountains. I think he got in at a really good time before like the hype of the shoot up. Um, but that's not where we're going to start. Xavier, let's let's start with you, man. So for those of you guys that don't know, Xavier is a business partner of mine. We actually have three rental properties together. Um, I don't even know how many doors in total Xavier has now. I know he's had some in Pennsylvania and so forth, but we'll get into all of that. Xavier, tell us kind of before we get into that, though, like, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Like, who are you? Uh, give us all the goods, man. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, Diego Felipe, I really appreciate you guys um, inviting me to the podcast. It's really great to be a part of the Rat Race community and kind of see what you guys have been able to build now in year three. So thanks again for inviting me. Um, so a little bit more about me. So I was born and raised in Northern California. So the East Bay, so a little town called Antioch. Um, you know, kind of a small middle-class town. And, uh, you know, kind of who I was in high school, I was, and you might be surprised hearing this, I, I was a very timid, shy, like tall, big boy, right? So I was, you know, hardly had a hard time, you know, talking to other people. I was very shy, um, lacked a lot of confidence. 
And um, a lot of that too was just because also just how I felt about myself, my weight and everything. Um, so for me, for a long time, I had a perception about myself that I couldn't do certain things. I couldn't live up to this person that I wanted to be. And I always had that, that roadblock there. And so a lot of it was, was mindset related, you know, fast forward to college, right? Um, a lot of that changed for me, um, you know, leaving back home, going to school, got a different perception of what it was like to hang out with a different type of people, different backgrounds. Um, and then also too, one of the biggest things was like, Hey, you don't have to be, you don't have to stay the same person you are right now. You can actually be something else, transform and become someone that you always wanted to become. And um, the biggest shift that I had for me was actually after sophomore year, where a lot of people may not know this about me, but um, I was close to essentially flunking out of college, right? I was working a lot. I was struggling with my grades. And, um, you know, one summer I just went ahead and was like, hey, I, I think I have to make a change. I need to change my major. I'm not happy anymore. And um, I, I made that change. And that summer as well, I lost about, I want to say 40 to 45 pounds. Um, so the, the way that I view myself absolutely changed along with that, had a lot more confidence in myself. And really that kind of propelled me to the individual that I am today, right? With that mind shift, with being able to be more active um, and really just having more positive thoughts about yourself and what you can do um, really just got me to the person I am today. So that's interesting because you said you, you basically took a summer to work on yourself and you were like, I'm going to shave 45 pounds and like all that, which is mind blowing in and of itself, you know, in three, four months to, to do that's like 10 pounds a month. That's a lot. Is that healthy? <laughs> um, for those that are listening that might be, uh, you know, struggling with weight or personal identity or, you know, things of that nature. Uh, I won't, we won't dig into this too much, but can you talk a little bit about the mindset of that? And, uh, and later we'll see how that correlated with, with real estate. Cause I also had uh, like identity issues when it came to, am I worth wealth, right? Am I worth being rich um, and things like that? So can you talk a little bit more about that summer and like, you just like lock yourself in a room and not eat? Like, let's talk. Yeah. That, so that summer. So sometimes I feel like you, people either are, are in a position where they make the decision that they want to change or sometimes the situation around them forces them to change. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, so that summer, um, I was supposed to be working full time, right? So I signed my lease. I went to summer school to try to catch up on my grades and everything on my classes. And they actually, for work, they said, hey, you know what? We don't have the funding. Um, we can't bring you on in the summer anymore. Like we have no money to give you. So I was stuck in the summer with this lease with no money to be able to pay rent. And what I ended up doing was I had to drop out half of my classes in summer school to pay for those three months of summer so that I could just get by. Um, so I was forced to, you know, I was stuck in Southern California, I had very little money. And all I could do was like, all right, either I'm just going to wait here for three months or I'm just going to finally start working out what I've been wanting to do. All I could afford was pretty much salad. And so I'd be every once in a while, I'd buy some chicken. So, you know, I did a lot of P90X. I did insanity. And when you mix in salads. Oh, I remember that. I remember Peanutty. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So that's really what got me started with actually losing weight is I was forced to creatively think about how can I survive this summer with school with very little money and then also still make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm working on myself. So I was forced to become the person. Essentially, I was in a situation I was forced to do what I was I was doing there. Um, but ultimately, it, it was one of the best experiences I could have had because I learned so much about myself. I learned how resilient I could be. I learned that I can be a problem solver as well, right? Sometimes the situation around you may not be ideal, but a lot of it is about how do you make the best out of your situation? 
Um, and then a lot of people don't really know that story because it's not one that I share a whole lot. Um, and my parents didn't know that I dropped out halfway through summer school to pay for school. Um, so I'd be hearing that. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, but I think it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, cause like for, for those that are not watching and just listening or who don't know who Xavier is, uh, he's like six foot. His, this is what I think of when I think of Xavier, tall, dark, handsome, and now getting rich. Right. So like to say that you had identity issues, it's kind of like, really, dude, I'm like five, eight on a good day. You know, like I'm, I'm short, I'm brown, you know, like it's interesting to hear you say you had identity issues. And it's funny because like, I think sometimes we all have those limiting beliefs about ourselves, right? Like sometimes we, we look in the mirror, we're like, oh, I'm not perfect. Or I'm not like this person or like that person. Um, everyone who's listening, go, go like Instagram, Xavier, uh, and like, you'll see what I'm talking about. This dude is like tall, he's dark, he's handsome. He's got a great job. He's educated. Um, so it, it's, we appreciate you telling that story, right? Because it's not all, uh, you know, roses or whatever on Instagram. So that's, that's dope. Okay. So moving on from that, you lost some weight, you got some confidence, you came out, you came out of that. I'm super stronger, super better. I'm sure back to college. What did you do after like that, that, um, that summer? Yeah. So then after summer, so, so that summer I kept on, you know, working, making sure like, all right, I have to graduate at least, you know, obviously get my degree. That's what I'm there for. That's what my parents came to this country for to make sure we got an education. So right. I continue going, continue going that route. Um, I was in this position where, Hey, what do I want to do next? What career do I want to want to go into? So I graduated with a career in, in business econ nice. and um, the last year of my, uh, the last pretty much my senior year, I was at a point where I wanted to do an internship. I want to figure out, Hey, what do I want to go into? What do I want to do? Quite honest with you, I just wanted a job after college because, you know, it's really hard to try to get a full time job. And last thing I wanted to do was take a step back after getting my degree. Um, very fortunate, I actually came across an internship for Target. So for those that either follow me on Instagram, know, you know, I've been working for Target now for almost nine years. So it's pretty much the only company that I know that I've been working for since out of college. Um, so I started off as an intern out there. Um, that path wasn't as easy, though because I actually applied for the internship for stores and I got turned down. They're like, hey, you know what? We don't think that you're going to be a good fit for stores. So sorry, we won't be able to offer you a position this summer at the Target store. I was like, oh man, that's that's unfortunate. That sucks. Okay, it is what it is. Um, like, hey, we have a position though, if you're open to it in distribution. It's like, what what is distribution? I don't like, what is that? They're like, hey, it's a warehouse. It's really cool. It's, you know, you ship things over to, essentially you're shipping cartons over to the stores. It's whatever it's behind the scenes. It's like, hey, I always see myself more behind the scenes kind of guy. So let's give it a shot. Start off my internship, did great there. It was three months. You know, thankfully they liked me. They brought me back full time after college when I graduated. So pretty much I went through the last couple of quarters of, of my college um, time with a full time job guaranteed at Target. Um, so that was great. That was a great confident boost for me as well. Um, and as I reflect back of like, wow, what enabled me to get into this position? Um, a lot of that too was some of the little steps that I took even my second year in college. And what I mean by that is um, I actually worked for the dining halls for all four years that I was in school. Mm -hmm. So for those at dining halls, okay, you, you know, you're, you're going out there, you're making the food, you're cleaning tables. And those that are in the restaurant industry understand how, how it can be tough to, you know, provide that customer service. Well, now imagine having to wipe down tables right after your peer that you went to biology with. Right. And it's like having to make sure that everything's clean, everything's good. Um, but I was very fortunate to have that job. Um, I took advantage of it. I actually moved up within like the internal ladder within those services and became a manager eventually there. And that actually ended up giving me 
a different perspective about how to be able to communicate with people, how to be able to, you know, lead others, um, and really how to be able to feel like a leader and become a leader, which ultimately led to why I got the internship. Because like, hey, we're seeing that you have some manager experience. Tell us a little bit more about that. So if I didn't, if I would have turned down the fact of, hey, I thought I was too good to wipe down tables, I probably would not have the career that I have today just by that one decision as well. You're hired. Oh, sorry. This isn't, you're not applying for a job. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You, you know, I think a lot of us um, immigrants have that like humbleness. That's not the right word. Like we're humble to do those type of jobs because like we maybe have seen our parents do it or we might've seen others um, that are like, you know, part of the immigrant community do things like that. And, and we don't feel better than anyone else. And like my mom always told me, like, take out the best of any situation. You can be in a terrible situation, but always try to take out the best of it. And that's how you're going to build your foundation for your future. Like taking the best out of every situation and not the worst. Like most people take the worst out of their situations and they try to build on that. And that's where like, you know, they end up in jail or they end up in trouble or doing things. It's like, no, like if you were out there wiping tables, like be the best damn table wiper that you can be and like grow into that. Okay. So target hired you, give us a little bit more about target and then let's get into real estate. Where are you at with target Climb the ladder? Are you still just like stalking? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> no. So nine years. <laughs> yeah. Nine years is a long time. So I think within those nine years, I think I'm on either role number five or role number six. So on average, I think every two years I'm doing something different within the organization which I think is great because it enables you to always continue to think on your feet, try different, try different things. And uh, so where I'm at now is I actually work out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So out of Target headquarters. So I started out in Southern California. <laughs> oh yeah, Felipe. Oh, headquarters. Oh, no, it, it's crazy, right. Cause that's always people say like, Hey, you know, what's your goals? What do you want to do? Write them down. And um, you know, when you take a look at my five-year plan when I was 25, working at Target headquarters was part of my five-year plan. So nice. I, I ended up getting there. Um, so currently living in Minneapolis right now, uh, headquarters position, I am working from home. Uh, but a little bit before that, so I spent a couple of years out in Southern California doing different roles within distribution. And I got a chance to uh, become a senior operations manager out in, in Virginia. So they're like, hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, how about you come out here in Virginia and we can definitely use you. It was like, hey, I've never relocated before. I don't know what this means. Like, what does it look like? They're like, hey, you know what? We, we just appreciate kind of the work that you're doing right now. I think that you can add a lot of value to our team. We're going to go ahead and just pay for your reload and everything to get you out here. We just need you on a flight. And can you do it in three weeks? It's Damn. Like, All right. You know, so I called my parents like, hey, guess what? I'm moving to Virginia. Um, this is going to be great. So I was out there for almost two and a half years. And um, so that was a really great time. Really great experience. The biggest thing for me was it, it had a, such a big cultural shift, right? So in Southern California, there's a lot of diversity in, in California, right? Uh, there's a lot of big Latino community. Uh, in Virginia, it looks a lot different out there. So it took a little bit to get used to, right? But very happy of that opportunity to be out there. And that's where we'll, we'll deep dive when, whenever you guys are ready, but that's where I bought my first property out there in Virginia. Um, and some of you guys might, might be a little jealous to hear about how big this property was in the purchase price if you're in California, um, but it's definitely a sweet one. So yeah, I've, I've been with Target now, like I shared nine years, had different roles and I'm just, I'm loving what I'm doing right now with them. So before Diego brings us into real estate really quick, tell the story about the the plane with Target. Didn't you ride in Target's plane or something? Yeah. So what was it? I think either two summers ago. Uh, so Target has a private jet that is, um, has their own little terminal outside of the Minneapolis airport. 
Um, so we had to do a, a site visit in Virginia, actually my old building, um, and they asked me to tag along. So I actually got to go out there um, in a private jet, you know, give us snacks, food, everything. It was a very cool experience. I didn't have it on my bucket list to knock out, but I'm happy I got to do it. So for a good eight hours, I felt like such a boss. <laughs> Dude, I'm kind of upset that two people on this call have been on private jets and I haven't. Like, I don't want to talk about it. We're going to move on because I'm a little butthurt. Diego, take us out of this. That's funny. That's funny. Well, <clears throat> I have to share something on the private jet too. Oh, so, here we go. See, look, only no. <laughs> because, only because this is key. So I met Xavier and you, Felipe, for the first time at the Bigger Pockets event back in yeah. 2019. That's right. Um, so exactly right. But private jet part, I flew out of Nashville with Osborne on his private plane. Um, it was freaking awesome. But anyway, no, so no, 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 no. Now I'm not going to let you go over that story. Tell it really quick, because that's actually a badass story where he like where it, it, it applies to this. Like where tell the story where he's like, dude, get on this plane. Let's go. <laughs> oh, OK, so so this is so actually this was like my fourth time flying with him. Right. But the first time, <laughs> look, at that, look at that little plane. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. This, this is actually my, one of my favorite stories but, of Diego. <clears throat> but the first time. Um, so I was with a GoBundance guys for the first time ever. I was 23 years old. Um, I found myself in Osborne's house. His net worth at that time is, was around 40 million. Now he's worth over 200 million. 200. He's a mentor of mine here in Austin, Texas. Amazing person. Uh, but it was the first day that I met him and we were in Colorado. We were playing ultimate Frisbee. And he says, Hey, Diego, you seem to be in shape. Would you want to do a Spartan race in about two weeks? Um, and I was like, look, David, I just took off five days from work. This was while I was still working at GM. And um, so I tell him, look, I just took off five days. I'm going to see if my manager will be okay if I can take off more days. He's like, Diego, I don't need a story. My private plane can get you from Austin to whatever. I just need a yes or no. I don't need a story. I was like, oh, uh, oh, crap. Sorry. Um, but th that was my reaction. I was like, dang. So um, so yeah, so I did that opportunity. I took it. I went to, to, to my manager and I told him this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And uh, I told him yes, no matter what. And uh, I was literally flying on a private plane with all of his buddies. And we stopped in Dallas. We stopped somewhere else. We stopped in Philadelphia, then Virginia. It was amazing. But the funny thing is, is that I didn't know that there's no TSA there. So I literally show up. I'm like a freaking noob on all of this. I show up with, with all of my stuff and I'm like, Hey, where do I give my, like, do I give you my ID? Where, where do I check in? Do I take off my shoes? He's like, no, you just walk to the plane. I was like, Oh crap. I was asking all the newbie questions, but, uh, it was an experience. It was an experience, but anyway, Xavier, I love please it. tell us, uh, tell <laughs> us please your, uh, how, how did you get started? investing in real estate, um, especially buying your first house hack and so forth. Yeah. So a couple of years back, so I, I was following Bear Pockets for a very long time, even before it became very mainstream. Um, but I was always stuck in the analysis paralysis, right? I always wanted to analyze deals. I did a lot of those things, had a hard time really pulling the trigger for the first deal. Um, and then around May of 2019, you know, I, I hear this guy by the name of Felipe Mejia on the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm just like, wow, like this guy's crushing it out in Nashville. He's doing great. Um, you know, and during that time, it didn't feel like there was a lot of representation. 
And for me, I was like, hey, hearing someone with very similar backgrounds, very similar roots as me, really kind of like re-energized me like, hey, I, I need to go after this. I can do this, right? And it just so happens that summer, um, and I'm going to give a little backstory how I met Felipe to answer the question, Diego. But during that summer, I saw Felipe post on Instagram. He was like, this is before Felipe had 20,000 followers, by the way, or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was talking to Felipe and he, he actually put, put a story out there. He's like, hey, I'm looking to mentor somebody. If you guys are interested in mentorship, please let me know. And during that time for me, when people think about mentorships, you're like, uh, is it scammy? I don't know. Should I do it? And I reached out to Felipe. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's see what happens. And I was like, you know, fanboying, like, hey, Felipe, you know, I heard you on the podcast. Really great. I'm definitely interested, like definitely interested in, in getting a mentorship with you. And he asked me, I think, three questions and I answered all three of them. And then he responded via video to me. And he was like, OK, he like these are the responses. Here we go. Like, oh, wow. He's like actually com- like he's committed to me and wants to do this. So Felipe was a very integral part of me getting my first property out in Virginia um, because he helped me get through that mental hurdle about whether or not, hey, can I do this? Can I not? Am I good enough to do it? Because um, it was very difficult and also very scary. And as Felipe knows, my partner, um, you know, I could definitely look at a lot of good things that can happen. But for me, I'm also seeing, hey, what are all the bad things that can happen with this? And that kind of overshadowed and it didn't prevent me from being able to be quick enough. So fast forward, right? So that's how Felipe and I got started with just being, he was my mentor. He's still my mentor today. And we talk about it. And um, yeah, so actually was able to purchase my first single family home in, in Virginia, um, it was a five bedroom, three and a half bedroom house or bathroom house. Um, it was three stories built in 1920, newly flipped and renovated. Um, and I bought it for 305. Ooh, um, you ain't so getting those prices anymore. You're not getting those prices anymore. 305, I went 5% down on it. So I think with closing costs, closing costs and everything, I was all in at $17,000. Wow. And um, I used this property to actually house hack. So I lived in one of the master suites. And I rented by the room to do the floor. So all in all, when it was said and done, I was living in my house and cash flowing $600 a month um, just with that one property. Um, so that's, you know, that that's where I share, like, that's probably the biggest turning point for me as an investor um, was buying that first deal because I got to experience what it was like to screen tenants, what maintenance looks like, right? What does cash flow look like? Um, how to be able to manage tenants too, right? It's it's different when you're having to manage tenants when they live in the other side of a duplex or live on another property. How do you manage tenants when they're literally sharing a bathroom with you or sharing a living with you? Can be a little bit difficult. Um, so I grew a lot and learned a lot about investing in general with just that one property. And how old were you when you made that happen? Ooh, I think I was 27 or 28. I think I was okay. 28 when I bought that that first property. So during that time, right, it took me so long to get out of the mentality of like, hey, can I even do this? Is it worth it? Um, but as I say too, right, as soon as you buy your first property, um, typically the one kind of follows after that one. And then that's where I think within two or three months, Felipe and I partnered and closed on one just outside of Nashville. So I went from, hey, I'm not sure if I can do this. Within three months, I already had two properties under my belt. I was like, okay, I, I love this and I need to keep, you know, there's such a great high just kind of finding that next deal and going after it. And I, I was hooked ever since I actually went ahead and closed on my first property. Dude, I tell, I tell everyone that gets in my circle, I'm like, look, two things are going to happen out of this relationship. I'm not here for friends. I'm here for like life friends. Like I'm here for best friends. I'm like, look, you're going to either end up hating me 
or we're going to become like lifelong friends, right? Like you're going to become a millionaire because you're in our circle or you're just going to be like, forgive Felipe. And I got some haters like that on Instagram, right? So like when I met Xavier, I was like, okay, this guy's smart. He's like educated, got a great job. He, he he's he's there. He's just he needs like a push into the pool. Uh, and yeah, like four months, five months in, like you had like two rentals. Um, our, the house that we bought in Nashville, like we've turned into like basically a triplex. Um, like there's there's a lot going on. Um, I know the story of that first house. Um, talk about one lesson that you learned out of that and then why you sold it and what you're doing now. Yeah, I would say, you know, probably the biggest lesson that I learned from that house was um, be very intentional with the people that you're bringing in. Um, and what I mean by that is individually, uh, they were great, but also keeping in mind how do those individuals, you know, work together? They're going to live in under one roof. So you kind of have to go with a certain theme or certain type of individuals that's going to fit overall. Um, I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned to take from a house hacking perspective. And then lastly, what I learned too is that you got to budget for maintenance and capex, right? Even though it was a brand new, it was a brand new flip, um, the individual that flipped it kind of took some shortcuts in different spots. So mm -hmm. within a month, you know, I had my ceiling leaking of water, right? I had to get that repaired. I had a shelf in my kitchen that fell off because it wasn't properly mounted. So things that I didn't take into account because I assumed, hey, it's a brand new property. I shouldn't really have to spend any money or save any money for this. So that, that, that was a very big learning for me from that standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And then talk about um, what were the numbers after? Because I think you, you, you sold it, right? Yep. Yep. So I ended up selling it. I think I ended up so I sold it within nine months, right? So my my intent was to still stay in Virginia a little bit longer. Uh, however, an opportunity came up for me to relocate to Minneapolis, take on a different role. Uh, so within that, right, I was able to actually sell the house and I was able to come up with about 20, so I went in, I think 305 down payment and 17,000. I was able to get my down payment back and I think plus another 15 or 20 grand just from that single purchase. So, nice. so not only did I you know, live rent free for nine months, um, but I also went ahead and cast out a little bit. And for those that don't know, right, you always, we talk about the numbers yet yeah, so great, like talking about what I had to do beforehand to actually get into that position, right? So yes, I was making good money with Target, working there in Virginia. Um, my, my buddy and, and now his fiance, uh, we decided to, hey, instead of having an individual apartment, let's go ahead and just get one large apartment and let's just go ahead and like, you know, partner up, get a room each, whatever, and let's save some money. So even before that, right, I think I was spending, I went from having my own apartment at $1,600 a month. It's like paying six, like what, $650 in rent um, afterwards. So I was able to, you know, fast forward that, like fast track to be able to save up to get the down payment. And that's where sometimes people need to probably understand a little bit more like, hey, in order for you to really get that first property, the next property, what are some of the things that you can do right now and change your habits financially well, I like that. that will help you accelerate that? right? Because it really comes down to your goals, right? How quickly do you want to get there? Do you want to be comfortable and take your time and eventually get there? That's great. It's absolutely fine. If you want to have a couple of properties in the next year or two, then you're going to have to change your financial habits in order for you to get that. That's yeah. huge. And it's, and it's like financial habits, but it's also, um, it's also, I feel like the community, right? Because if, if, if a lot of your friends are, like if they're traveling every single weekend or if they're popping bottles every every weekend 
right? From that perspective, it's not just the habits, but also is the way that your friends spend their money. And it's going to get to the point where you might have to say no multiple times and tell them, look, I'm okay going out, but instead of going out every single weekend or twice a week, let me just go out one weekend and letting them know that you can still hang out, but from the perspective of the you're not going to be spending all of your money that, that way. And some people may see it as a sacrifice, right? Because it is, but you have to know that you're doing it for a specific reason. You're just not doing it because, uh, because once you have the reason, that reason is the one that pulls you for you to, to say, Hey, okay, I, this is why I'm doing it. So that's cool. I'd say you yeah, and, and I'll add one of I think one of the things I was very fortunate to do without even knowing was I spent about maybe three years working on night shift in California, right? So I started out working like Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday nights. So the option of me to try to go out and party no longer existed or working straight nights. So for me, it was already all right. It was an environment where I'm not going to go out. I'm just going to go ahead and work, gym, sleep, repeat, and just continue to do that. And then sometimes like, hey, what kind of an environment can you change around you, right? Because if I was working day shift, making the money that I was making during that time in California, who knows, it might have been different having my weekends available, having my nights available. But thankfully, working the night shift, um, for those that work night shift, they know that that can be brutal sometimes. But also it was it was a blessing in disguise for me. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So you were talking about then we got a property together. So why don't we talk about that? And uh, Diego is going to dig into a little bit about partnerships. So, yeah, um, Diego, which way do you want to take it first? Talk about the property or partnerships? Well, I want to talk basically. So I know that you guys bought a property in in Antioch, but I wanted to start that conversation with what did you see, Felipe or Xavier? What did you guys see in each other to say, you know what? I've been, I've been helping you as a mentor. Why don't we partner up in this opportunity based on what you guys have to offer to each other? What was that key point? And you're like, look, I have this opportunity in my work with Xavier or in my not. So for me, I saw in Xavier an, an opportunity to help, but also like I had money and time and Xavier had bankability. So in a, in a business or in real estate, I guess, if you're going to buy a property, you need, you need a lot of things, but you need three things in general. You need time, money, and bankability. And typically people have one, luckily sometimes two of those things. So in my opinion, I've always heard like, you can go far, like, like you can go fast alone, but farther together. And I call BS on that. I think with the right partnership, you can go far and fast, like fast forward to where Xavier and I are at now. Uh, we can talk about that at the end, but I saw that with Xavier, I could go fast and far, and I wasn't looking for just a friend. I was looking for a, a best friend, a best business opportunity, and where we could scale three, four, five rental properties in the next three, four years or more. Um, so I saw consistency in, in him. I saw that he had a great job that he was consistent in. I know the stories that he's talked about now, and I was like, dude, if this guy's willing to like clean tables with an education. If I'm ever like, yo, we need to go to the house and sweep the floors. Like, I know that he's not going to be the guy to be like, oh, well, let's just hire it out. Right. Like, I know he's going to be like, well, if we can't hire it, like, let's just do it. Like, I saw that type of work ethic in him. And I saw that he was in a professional setting use, using his degree now, meaning, you know, he, he, on both ends, he'd be able to take, you know, if he's got to put on his polo and get in a meeting and make things happen. He can do it. But at the same time, he can have his, his Chuck Taylors in the truck and say, all right, we got to go clean up afterwards. Right. So, like, to me, that's invaluable to have both of those settings and 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 uh, characteristics in a person. So that's what I saw in Xavier. 
And he's tall, dark, and handsome. Like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Xavier? Yeah, for me, so one, it definitely helped that I had established relationship with Felipe beforehand, right? And he helped me get that first house hack. Um, and what really helped too was we actually met in person for the first time out in Nashville for BBCon, right? Yep. So went out there and, I, and I'm going to tell a quick story about how I met Felipe in person, right? I show up. And I was like, hey, man, I would love to go, you know, the usual, I want to go pick your brain, take you out to lunch or coffee, whatever. So I did the whole bit with Felipe. And he's like, yeah, you know, I am free on, on Saturday. I think it's like Friday afternoon. Just come by in this address and just and we can go ahead and talk. So I stopped by and Felipe comes with his backpack. He's like, hey, I got rent to pick up. We got to go to like five or six properties. You down to talk real estate and just drive? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So took it, he took me through his entire property, kind of what he was doing, what he's going after. So he showed me already the proven model that he was working on out there just outside of uh, Nashville. So when I came back, right, still kind of figuring out the things with, with my first home, he was like, hey, I have this opportunity out here um, in Nashville, very similar to already what I took you through last month is something you would be interested in. And for me, out the bat, I was like, yes, absolutely. However, I was also very tapped out because I had saved up for um, I had saved up for this first down payment for a primary home. So that's where I was like, all right, what can I do to make sure that I can get after this property with Felipe? So I leveraged my uh, my 401k uh, within my organization to actually take a loan out. And a lot of people say, hey, that's a big no, no, you shouldn't be taking out your 401k. Well, when I did the math, it made sense in terms of like the return that I was going to be getting with this property with Felipe was going to far exceed the returns that I was already seeing in the market. So it was a no brainer for me. So I think seeing the fact that Felipe had already proven record and he took me firsthand in person made it a lot more comfortable for me to jump on that first deal with him. That's it was interesting, cool. right? Because that property now has like over six figures in equity, plus it cash flows every, I don't think we've ever had a not cash flow month above 500. It's just been a great rental property. Our tenants are super boring. Like they're just, it's just a great little rental property. Um, and I was trying to buy up as many as I could during that time because I saw what was coming down the pipe. Yeah. What's 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 interesting is that I also own a house with Felipe over there in Enioch. And uh, and what got me too was that I had met you, Xavier, and I believe that by the time that I partnered up with 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 Felipe, I had the bankability. I leveraged his knowledge, his boots on the ground. Um, and then we were able to buy one as well. But I knew also that he had the experience not just doing it himself, but doing it with other partners, including you and Druben, I, I believe, um, and maybe like one other partner. So it was really cool for me to see that and to know that, hey, these people are trusting Felipe. I can buy one as well. And yeah, I mean, we write I feel so check. used. <laughs> for cool. your superpowers, which is great because you're money. using our superpower on the bankability. Correct. So, so yeah. yes, it's good. We leverage each other. That's awesome. and, and I'm sure you you guys might get into this as well when it pertains to partnership. But I think it's it was very important for us to get that first deal under our belt, right? Because that's where we figured out, hey, all right. So I knew the things that obviously Felipe brought to the table. He knew what I brought to the table. Um, however, once you actually have that property and you're managed together, how's it working out? How's the communication? How's the management piece, right? And I think early on, what we noticed was, you know, clearly there was a lot of things that Felipe was great at, you know, firsthand being there, boots on the ground, making sure things were getting taken care of. If there's one thing Felipe was like, please, I don't want to see a spreadsheet. I don't want to know about like what bills, we, like I'll let you take care of the bills, the spreadsheet, the finance. You just tell me the, the check that I need to write by the end of the month and I'll just write that. And yeah, for so me, I was like, perfect. That works out for well for me because I'm not there in person. 
I hate sometimes dealing with some of those things with tenants. I'll do all the behind the scenes work. You go ahead and knock that out. And I think that's kind of helped our partnership throughout. We're still until this day where it's, you know, I know the role that I need to play in our partnership. He knows the role that he needs to play in a partnership. But also at the same time, if whatever reason, if Felipe is not available for a extended period of time where I'm not, we're also in a position where it's like, hey, we one of us can go ahead and take over and not yeah. skip a beat. Absolutely. Yeah. Why is that important, Diego? Let's let's pause it for a second. I know we're running low on time and we'll, no, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up real quick. But why is it important, Diego and Xavier? I guess we could talk about that, too. Why is it important to know the roles that you play in your partnership and like leveraging each other's strengths? Diego, I'll let you go first. And then Xavier, uh, we'll, we'll run it over to you. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're playing in your zone of genius that allows you to, number one, you more than likely enjoy what you're doing right? Mm -hmm. So you're also happy doing that partnership that you guys set out to do. But number two, um, it might take you for, for example, it might take me too much time for me to be able to do the stuff that you already know what to do. So if we partner up with each other based on our roles, we can even multiply (laughs) and do more partnerships in the future. So I believe that playing to our strengths uh, can can help us out. And I remember Felipe, what um, we were speaking in Phoenix, and I remember the example that you gave. Like, look, um, sometimes like I may not be able to carry a couch by myself uh, based on a specific amount of weight, but if we partner up, if two people do it, they can carry that couch and then some because yeah. of the fact that one plus one doesn't equal two in this sense. One plus one can equal two and a half. Yep. So, um, so when you see it from that perspective, you can accomplish a lot more. Xavier, why is it important to know your role in a business partnership and not, I don't want to say not step on someone's toes and it's not like a blame game. Like, Oh, well that's your role. But like, to me, it's part of KPIs too, like knowing where things are going, but, but Xavier, why do you think it's important? It's yes. It's part of KPIs. I think another important an aspect too for partnership is also the accountability piece, right? You know, understanding like, Hey, this is yes it's not about blaming people like it was something get missed, but it's more like, Hey, I know that my partner, it got this. I don't have to worry about it. He's going to take care of it. If he needs something, he will let me know. But at the same time, like we found ourselves very early on my partnership with Felipe and I, we were kind of crossing quite a bit, right? We're kind of doing the same thing, but we're leaving something else off of the table. We're like, Hey, okay, we're missing something because we're both not communicating. The gas. You remember the gas? Yes. I was going to go there. Like it was my responsibility to make sure all the utility was set up. And I forgot and missed, you know, to set up gas. So everyone's trying to figure out like, hey, why isn't, you know, the why isn't it heating up? Yeah. Why is it heating up? Why is the stove working? And what happened? I I missed the gas. Right. So I think that was a clear indication for us. Like, hey, you know, moving forward, these are all responsibilities. Let's hold ourselves accountable to that as well. Um, And it just makes things a lot easier because next thing you know, if you don't have the communication, you find yourself where you're going to probably be dropping the ball in a few things. And you're not going to figure it out until, you know, it ends up being a glass ball and that ends up dropping and breaking. That's cool. So really quick, before we wrap up, I also want to hear about your partnership with the property in Antioch. Um, how how did you guys go from uh, being able to buy a house right by where Felipe lives to now doing Airbnbs in the Smokies? Yeah, so I would oh, say- Oh, he's talking about, the, so the house that we have in Antioch, he's talking about how did we get from that to buying cabins in the Smokies? Exactly. Yeah. So we, so Felipe um, actually presented me the opportunity. He was like, Hey, you know what? I'm hearing that, you know, Smokies is, is definitely a, 
place to be able to invest right now. I personally grew up going out there. Love it. What do you think about Same. the cabin? And I was like, hey, that sounds great. I'm not familiar with the process. I'm not familiar with Airbnb, um, but I can learn that, right? I can figure that out. Let's talk about numbers. Because one thing for sure is even though you haven't been to a market, numbers don't lie. If the numbers make sense, the numbers make sense. So yeah. when I was running some deal, when I was analyzing some deals, I was like, hey, these numbers make sense. What helped us get that, that first cabin was we actually went ahead and did a cash out refi of the home that we had there in Antioch. So we were able to find a local, uh, local um, lender that essentially gave us 85, we're able to do at 85%. So we were able to cash out refi. We took about 40 grand out of the property and pretty much moved that money over to the down payment. Um, and I took out a second home loan to be able to close on that. So I think all in all, out in terms of cash out of pocket, Felipe and I came out of maybe 25 grand total out of pocket because the property that we first bought was doing so well, we were able to cash out refi, deploy that capital over to the first cabin and that cabin still cash flowing, or the the property in Antioch is still cash flowing great, and was able to get us a second property as well. Um, so that's kind of where I first where I learned like, hey, you know what? You can it's called the snowball effect, right? You can just continue to keep doing that, um, and that's how we were able to get that first cabin. So I think that that worked out really well for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so we just what leveraged I basically what we already had, right? Like we already had the relationship, we already had the business partnership, we already had the structure, and we already had the equity. And we were just mm -hmm. like, oh, this is just a simple chess move, pawn up, right? Like it was just going yeah. up. Flat. Yeah. Cool. So Xavier, what's next for you? Yeah. So for me right now, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to get, you know, one more cabin probably this year out in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, but definitely probably looking at branching out in different markets uh, as well. Um, Smokies seems like it's trying to get kind of on the top end uh, of the market right now. It's definitely get a little bit more expensive. Um, however, right, there's still a lot of demand out there. I think for me personally as well is I'm actually partnering up with somebody else, trying to do something a little bit different and trying to go into more of the hospitality side of things. So very early on, just started that partnership and doing some a little bit more diligence and work. And hopefully, you know, next time when I am able to come back to the podcast, be you guys give you guys an update to see how that, that new partnership is going, uh, with, with the hospitality side, with some hotels and motels. Cool, cool. That's awesome. It. And uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you or get to know more, more about you, hear more about your story or ask you questions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Instagram, uh, Xavier Marin underscore. So uh, you can find me there. Um, also, Felipe likes to tag me every once in a while on some of the stories. So you can find me there as well, too. Uh, for me, I would say I, I, I live a pretty, I try to think that I live a pretty balanced life. So I do post quite a bit about real estate. A lot of it also is just personal things that I'm doing. I'm traveling quite a bit. Um, but yeah, definitely open for those that, you know, want to get to know me a little bit more, talk about strategies or mindset, whatever that is. You know, again, Xavier or Xavier Marin underscore is my Instagram handle. You guys can find me there. Love it. Love it. Xavier, thank you so much, bro, for coming on and talking shop, dude. It's always fun to catch up. I'll see you in a couple weeks in Cancun. We're going to go down to play some golf. So that'll be super fun. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for your time. Seriously. It means a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Peace out, Xavier. Take care. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.